Good morning, and welcome to Cornerstone this morning. We're so glad to have each of you here this morning. We know it's a, quite a different situation, and some of you are listening in, some of you are watching, and we're just so glad for the technology to allow us to gather together in the presence of Jesus Christ, and that's what we're here for today. This morning, as we begin our thoughts here this morning, uh, I've been thinking about the word honor, especially how a soldier thinks about that. And I'd invite you to open up to 2 Timothy chapter 2. That's going to be our main focus here this morning. And we just ask you to come and look at this together. We're going to really be in this chapter. And we're going to talk about it for just a little bit. And then we'll go to prayer here momentarily. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verses 3 and 4, we read these words. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So as we've been thinking about that and and how a soldier thinks, and here's this phrase of anyone who, who is at war as a soldier does not allow themselves to get all entangled in the things of this world, the affairs of this life. And because of for the purpose of pleasing him who has called him, who has chosen him. That soldier commits himself to something that's bigger than himself. Commits himself to a bigger idea, to a bigger person, to a bigger authority, uh, to a nation, to, to a concept. They, they commit themselves. They want to be true to their calling to honor that ideal or that nation or that person that's in leadership over them. He is willing to put aside even his personal safety and to honor the mission. You know, in the U.S. Marine Corps, they have a a motto, and it's called Semper Fi, which is short for the longer phrase, Semper Fidelis. From Fidelis, we get fidelity. And within the concept of fidelity, we have faithfulness and loyalty. And so when the Marines translate Semper Fi, they are saying, always faithful, always loyal. And that is their motto. That is their constant reminder that what they're doing is for a bigger purpose. They have something they're going to be faithful to. Even if it means that their own death, they're going to be faithful to the mission that they've been assigned to. That's the kind of concept that is being brought out here as, as Paul has taken the picture, the word picture, of a soldier And he's talking about that mindset of a soldier that wants to be true to the one that they have that has called them or has enlisted them. As other translations, the word is enlisted. But the concept of a soldier is to be so committed, so focused to that higher calling because of the one who has called them into this. Now, in the last few weeks, we have been witnesses and now unfortunately we're participants in something that is affecting the health of people all across the world and affecting the world economies and many have reacted with fear and panic how entangled are we in the affairs of this life now now I'm not going to criticize those that went to the grocery and they stocked up and they They got things they're going to need because there were some practical realities of that. The bigger picture is that there are some very sinister affairs of this life. And the question here and and the word, the picture that Paul is bringing out here is how entangled am I in the affairs of this life? Well, that's a, a, a little introduction to where we want to go today. We've had some uh, prayer requests that have been given to us. As we want to go to prayer here just momentarily, uh, Sister Jenny uh, called us about her uncle that had open-heart surgery a few days ago, and we want to pray for his recovery and for protection from the virus. We want to pray for, for everyone that's in the hospitals, for everyone that, that is <laughs> trying to recover from injuries and, and rehabilitation, and everyone who is facing cancer and surgery and therapy. There's lots of needs around, and we know a lot of people. Pray for all those who are the caregivers of those people, and pray especially 
for all the doctors and the nurses and the first responders and those that are just on the front line. We just want to remember them also here today in prayer. And pray for those who are confined in the nursing facilities. And pray for all the people in the world that they would hear the calling of the Holy Spirit. Even in this chapter, we're going to see that Paul is talking about, he says, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, the word of God is not bound. And that's an amazing thing. So let's, let's go to prayer and consider these things. Lord Jesus, we're so glad to be able to come before you this day and to have all these people that are listening and watching in, Father, we gather together in your name. We gather together in your presence by your Holy Spirit to raise up to you the concerns of our hearts, concerns of our nation, the concerns of the world. Father, we do remember Jenny's uncle and the difficulty that he's having, and we pray for his healing. We pray for his safety to be able to come home soon and rejoin their family. Father, we do pray for the doctors and the nurses and all those that are caregivers and all those that are directly in line with this difficult time in our nation and in our world. We know that they are committing themselves <clears throat> and putting themselves in hazard. We pray for their protection. We pray for their endurance and pray for their strength and perseverance. Father, we do pray for all those that are uh, confined in the nursing homes and those that are, uh, have already been in kind of a shut-in position even before this situation has arisen. Father, we pray for each of our families as they've dealt with the changes and all that's going on. We just thank you, Father, for your presence to help us to not be pe people that are fearful or panicky, but that we can trust you in all these things. Father, we do pray <clears throat> for our nation. We pray for the peoples of the world. We pray for the work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of people. We just recognize that this, this great worldwide thing is something that you can use to draw people unto you. We just pray for hearts to be open, for hearts to be considering deeply what it is that's important in life, and that they'll be thinking about you and be called by your spirit and will open up your word. We just thank you, Father, for that your word is not bound in any way, but that your word can go into the hearts of people and cause us to think deeply and cause us to think about the life and eternity, and that this life is short and eternity is forever, and we have a choice of what we're going to do with that and with Jesus Christ. Father, we just thank you that we could gather here today, we could bring forth and open up the word of God together in the spirit of Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray, amen. Now, let's take a look now, 2 Timothy chapter 2, together, and we'll start here in just and, and read a few verses here to get the introduction to this. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me, among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore, endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So right away in this chapter, Paul is setting up a metaphor, setting up a word picture, and he is looking <clears throat> to teach us something and putting it into the language of a soldier that a lot of people would understand. A couple weeks ago, we got to talk about the shield of faith. We're talking about the Roman soldiers and, and their uh, protection that they put on. And so here he's, once again, he's using the picture of the Roman soldier and picture of a soldier who <clears throat> has, has committed himself unto the one that called him, but he's likening it now and putting it in the context of a Christian who is committed to Jesus Christ, who knows that they've been called into the kingdom by Jesus Christ, and he's likening it to a soldier. But he asks the question, or he makes the statement that no man that's a soldier is going to allow himself to be completely tangled up in the affairs of the civilian life. And in other translations, the word civilian is put there. But it's a picture that a soldier has a special mindset. Now, hold your spot here in, in, in 2 Timothy. You don't need to turn back. But in 2 Samuel chapter 11, there's a, a unique picture there. If you recall the, the circumstances, King David didn't go to war that spring, and he lusted after a woman, 
and he got her pregnant. And then he called her husband, Uriah, back from the front lines. Because he wanted Uriah to come back and report about the battle, but then to, to go home and be with his wife because he was trying to cover up, he was trying to hide his sin. And Uriah was such a, the epitome of the soldier's mindset that he wouldn't go home, that he wouldn't slept on the steps of the king's house and, and just stay there all night. And so the next day, the, the king talked to him again. He got, tried to get him drunk, tried to get him to want to just go home and be with his wife and so forth. He still, but he still stayed on the steps. And the, you know what happened? The king sent him back into battle and arranged it so that he would be killed. It's an awful, an awful picture of the sin in, in David's life. But it is a picture of the soldier's mindset. He was so committed because as long as he was committed unto his king, he was committed unto his commanders, he said, and he was committed unto his fellow soldiers who were sleeping in tents out in the battlefield. And he was not going to allow himself the luxury of going home. That is the, the picture of a soldier's mindset to have a commitment that is so much beyond himself and beyond his own needs that he, was, he would only do the things that would honor his king, his commander, and his fellow soldiers. But you know, <clears throat> there is a, a companion uh, word picture that goes with this, and we'll get to this as we read through, but let, I want you to look at the end of this chapter, the last two verses here. <clears throat> oh, let, uh, yeah, the last two verses of this chapter. And there's another part of this word picture about being entangled that we want to pull in here. It says here, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Now we're entering into the more sinister side of being entangled into the affairs of this life because he's also going to build this picture, but he's also going to teach us some lessons and tell us and explain to us how this snare of being entangled in this life can be from Satan as well. And so <clears throat> that's another part, of, another uh, fullness of this picture that he's going to give to us. Now there's another set of word images that he's going to build for us here. And that is, later on, about the uh, second half of the chapter here, he's going to start talking about a great house. And in a great house, there's going to be vessels that are unto honor and vessels that are unto dishonorable things. And that's going to be another major set of word pictures. Now, let me picture this for you just a little bit. If you, I hope you can see this up here. I'm going to draw some things very quickly and give you a sense about them. I'm going to draw two ovals, first of all. So we have an oval over here, and we have another similar oval over here. All right. Now, on this oval over here, in this situation, this is a snare. So in a snare, there's a lot of ways to draw a snare, but you have a line that comes up. And in this case, we're using a tree. And that tree has branches. And on, that, on those branches, in particular, in this snare, is some fruit, some low-hanging fruit. You've heard that phrase before. This is low-hanging fruit, because this is a snare from Satan. And we have low-hanging fruit hanging here. And every snare has a trigger that's going to launch that tree that's been pressured. And as soon as, in this case, as soon as you pull, as soon as you grab and ingest and take some of that low-hanging fruit, from Satan, the snare is triggered, and you're caught. You're snared. You are like a rabbit snared by a wire or something. You, you can't get out of it. You're caught. And you can put all kinds of names on the low-hanging fruit here. Satan has put all kinds of things out there and drawn you and attracted you and that are sensuous and, and part of the uh, beauty and part of the value and part of the desire for fame and, and authority and power and all of the different things that are out there in the world that Satan wants you to become a part of. And so that's low-hanging fruit. 
there on that snare. But over here, in the other image that Paul is making here is to be a vessel of honor. So we can take this same oval, and now we can draw and see a vessel come into place. <clears throat> and so this is a vessel unto honor. This is some of the contrast of what's in this chapter. That you can be a soldier committed unto Jesus Christ, or you can be a soldier that's entangled, that's snared into the affairs of this life because Satan is behind it. Or you can become a person who is a vessel unto honor. At the same time, you could be a vessel unto dishonor, but the calling is to be a vessel of God. Be something that is meant for him, that is part of his, his plan, that he can take a hold of. He can put his hand around it, and he can use us for his purposes. So these are some of the, the word images that he is building in to this chapter that we want to bring about here for you. Now, let's go back and pick up this chapter, because this chapter, he is, with those images in mind, he is building... a. Uh, a listing of the characteristics of what it means to be a soldier that's not entangled or a vessel unto honor. And he's giving you the, the insignias, he's giving us the signs of the seals, the names, the characteristics of those kinds of things. So let's see, look at this chapter right at the beginning is the very first one. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the, in the what? In the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You know, as men, we often think about being, being pretty strong. As young men especially, we like to build up our muscles and so forth. And the soldiers want to be strong and athletic and just conditioned for that situation. And they think by their own power or by their own technology or <clears throat> by their own strength or how, you know, the warfare of machines or whatever it is, that they can be strong. But here it says to us to describe that soldier that we're talking about here or that vessel unto honor, we are talking about having a strength that comes from grace. Now think about that. Strength that comes from grace. The grace that Jesus Christ has poured out upon us becomes our strength. Because we're a soldier unto Christ, we are a vessel unto honor, and our strength is not of our own ability, it is, un, is because of the grace that has come from Jesus Christ. And he goes on and talks about those that <clears throat> being able to teach others. He said, you, you're a faithful person. You find faithful people, and you teach them to teach other people to have faith. He said, don't break that cycle. Enter into that work. That's a characteristic of a person who is committed to a bigger picture, a bigger idea, God's picture, God's kingdom, who is going to continue that cycle of bringing people into the kingdom. He says, therefore, <clears throat> verse 3, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He's going to build on that thought a little bit, but that's an image, that's a, that's a characteristic of a good soldier to be willing to endure hardness. You know, most of us, we kind of avoid hard things. We avoid discomfort. We avoid, I mean, this, this has been real, real obvious the last couple of weeks that as soon as things start looking a little tight and a little difficult, we want to avoid those things. But here's a picture that because we have an image, we have a mindset, we have set our sails to such a bigger image to, to Jesus Christ that we can be willing to endure hardship, hardness, difficulties, persecutions, all those kinds of things. And a soldier committed to Jesus Christ is willing to endure hardness. That's a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man war that warreth entangled himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. That, that is a key characteristic right there, that we commit our lives and endure the things that happen because we are committed to Jesus Christ. He's the one that called us, one that chose us before even the foundations of the world and he called us, and so we're willing to turn our lives and submit our lives over to him because he called us into his kingdom. Now, it goes on here, and there's a couple of verses of explanation. He says, and if a man also strive for
for masteries, yet he is not crowned except you strive lawfully. So he's kind of giving some explanation there that uh, you, have to, you have to play by the rules. You're never going to be crowned unless you do the things that are expected of you, and that, that's true in the kingdom as well. Faith in Jesus Christ, and out of that we respond with lives that are with, for good works. So the also explanation, verse 6, the husband that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Wherein, remember, verse 8, remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. And that's probably the essential matter here. The one that we have committed our lives to is Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead. And the resurrection is the ultimate proof of why we have set our lives, submit our lives unto him, because he's the one that rose from the dead. Wherein, verse 9, I suffer trouble. Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds. But the word of God is not bound. At that particular moment, he was in prison. He was, he was jailed. And, he, and sometimes he was actually bound in fetters or chains and so forth. And these were false accusations. But he says that does not bind or that does not hinder or limit the word of God. Now, that's an awesome thing to think about. That no matter what our circumstances are, in the last few weeks we've been thinking about our circumstances and, and it's, it's felt pretty rough at times. But we haven't experienced anything <laughs> if you think about what could, have, could be happening. But it doesn't matter if you're even jailed for your belief in Jesus Christ. It does not bind or hinder the word of God. Because even through that, expressly through that, the word of God can be communicated through your experience into other people's lives. And that's a very important characteristic of this soldier or of this vessel unto honor. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. There he explains it just a little more directly. He's saying that he is willing to endure the difficult things physically in life, and, and even the, the mental stresses and all of those things that are associated with this world. He's willing to endure those things because it will, it will be the fruit of that can come out into the salvation of people. There's a characteristic. There's a seal of a soldier. There, there is an insignia of what a vessel of honor is like, that willing to endure all the difficult things because that may <laughs> allow the word of God to get into the hearts of somebody. And he goes on here. He says, it is a faithful saying. Now, the next several verses here, uh, some believe that these next several verses were a common set of phrases in the early church. And maybe they even sang this. It was, it was uh, something that was repeated over and over again. It was a very simplistic understanding of the gospel. But there's a couple of things at the beginning. Let me just read this cluster of faithful sayings that apparently were repeated over and over in the early church. It is a faithful saying. Now, here it is. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. And if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful... He cannot deny, deny himself. So in that, we see a couple of characteristics about a good soldier who is not entangled in this world and about a vessel unto honor. And it starts out here and it says that if we are a person who understands that we're dead to sin in Jesus Christ, then we also will live eternally with him in heaven. That, that is such an important understanding for a soldier, a Christian, to have, to know that we, it, that we, because of Jesus Christ, we can be dead to sin. And that means we will live forever because of Jesus Christ. So that's another characteristic. And then in verse 12, if we suffer, we shall also reign 
with him. Once again, the mindset, the, the way you set your heart, that we can be a person, that we can look at the suffering, we can endure the hardness, these things are happening to us. And, and it's not fun, it's not, you know, it, it's horrible. And sometimes it will kill you. But all those stresses and all those things that you're going through, with the knowledge that we will reign with him, the promises are very clear. Jesus Christ says, you, you suffer in my kingdom with me, for me, and you will reign with me. So those are some other characteristics that are there. <clears throat> Go down to verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance. He's talking to Timothy here. Put, put this in your mind, put it in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. And then a verse that you're very familiar with, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That can also be uh, added, to, added to that and say that, that study is a way of presenting yourself back to God as a workman, as a student, as a as part of his kingdom, as a soldier, as a vessel one to honor, you're going to present yourself back to God, and, and he approves you, and he accepts you, and, and you don't have, there's no reason for you to be ashamed about anything because you're a person that is rightly dividing or handling the word of God. You know, and getting up and preaching and teaching, it's, it's a very uh, awesome responsibility, and it, it weighs on us, but it's a thrill to be able to come and open up the word of God for, for all of you today and at any time. Because we, we want to be that kind of person to be able to, to come back to God without any shame and say, and just know the Lord has accepted us and he doesn't, he doesn't shame us about anything because we've been striving to handle the word of God rightfully and, and according to the spirit of God. What a characteristic, what an honor, what an insignia, what a seal that that puts on us as to being that kind of a soldier, not entangled with the things of this life. Now let me, let me pause here for just a little bit. Let's talk about these entanglements, or these snares that are here. Because I, it's important, I think, to recognize <clears throat> it goes way beyond the things that, are, uh, things like addictions or things like pornography or things like uh, all the sins. In this. It goes so far beyond that two chapters in the book of Revelation, chapter 17 and 18. You don't need to turn now. I'm not going to read this to you. Let me just explain to you what's in chapter 17 and 18 in the book of Revelation. Because there is a picture. There is the description. Once all of the, the bold judgments have been passed out or been committed to the world, have been judged upon the world, then in the book of Revelation, the angel comes to John and said, I want, to, I want you to understand more about this. I want you to understand the fullness of the sinister nature of all the things that have been going on in this world. And it develops a word picture there of a woman who was a whore or a harlot or a prostitute. And, it, and she's called uh, Mystery Babylon, the mother of harlots, the mother of all abominations. And she's sitting on a red dragon and if you read back in chapter 12, you understand clearly the description of the red dragon is referring to Satan, to, de to the devil. It's very crystal clear. And as she's sitting on this red dragon, and there's waters all around them. And later on in that same chapter 17, it says that those waters represent all the nations and all the people and all the tribes and all the, everybody. That here you have this, this image of a woman, and, and I don't think it's really identifying a woman, it's a composite of all of the visible things in the world that Satan is riding upon Satan. And it is, it is affecting the entire world through the waters that are pictured there. And it goes on and it pictures her as being so beautiful, so alluring, so sensuous, so decked out, it says, with all the scarlet and the purple and the gold and the pearls and all the gold and everything about her. And that John himself, even at that moment, he wondered at her. He admired her. And the next verse, the angel says, John, 
What are you marveling about? That's how powerful Satan is. In that very moment, John himself, looking at that image, and she's holding a golden chalice that says it's full of the abominations, and that she is drunk upon the sins, upon the, the blood of the martyrs, and upon the saints of God. In that, that entire image, John is just marveling at her. And the angel said, hey, what are you marveling at? Because we as men and women are so prone to think that those beautiful things of all the world are just so attractive and we're so desirous about all those things. But it's riding upon Satan and it's affecting the whole world. And then it goes through that chapter in the next chapter of 18, describing the destruction and is known as the city of Babylon and, and this woman image is being destroyed and all the people of the world and all the nations of the world and the governments of the world and the merchants of the world are wailing and weeping because of the death and destruction of everything that they thought was so wonderful and so powerful and so beautiful. It's all being destroyed. We come back to the question, are we entangled in the affairs of this life? It is so sinister, it is so pervasive, it is so Satan-powered that that's where we want to be thinking. Have we become entangled into the very things that Satan is putting out there? He's putting out the low-hanging fruit and trying to draw us all in into his web. Read those chapters sometime, and it, it's, it's a hard thing to read, but you'll understand how pervasive that imagery really is. Now, let's find our place here again. We were down here at verse 15. Let's go to 16 and uh, read a few verses here, we'll, and we'll pick this back up again. Verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker. That means like a cancer. That this word, this, these, these things, these influences can be like a cancer of whom is Hamanius and, and Philetus. And he's mentioning someone that they know. And who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. And so you're talking about heresy and false doctrine and people that are taking off on some idea. And they're leading people away in their faith. So he's, he's referring to that and cautioning them about this. But then he says in verse 19, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, this means here is a designator. Here is a seal. Here is an insignia. <clears throat> this is a, a description. The Lord, here is the, the, the sure seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his. Amazing. We're so glad. The Lord knows us. He knows us by name. He knows those that are his. The Lord God himself knows us personally. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. There's the picture of one who has called us into his kingdom. And he knows us. He said, now depart from iniquity. You have been saved. You, everything has been forgiven to you. Don't allow the snares of Satan to trip you up, to catch you up, to cage you up, or to entangle you in any way. Depart from it. Because you've been called into a higher calling. You've been called into the kingdom of God. And Jesus Christ himself knows us. He knows our names. <clears throat> but in a great house, verse 20, but in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor, and some to dishonor. And, and that's true in our houses today. We have certain vessels that are meant for the very special, valuable things, and we have other kinds of vessels that are for disagreeable, dirty kinds of things. But he's likening this into the world, into the people of the world, that some are going to be unto honor, and some are going to be unto dishonor. So if a man, therefore, purge himself from these he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified 
and meat for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. What an amazing description right there. There he's, he's brought that whole image right out here. And he's saying to be a vessel unto honor unto Jesus Christ, the one who has called you. You're, you will, are purged by, the, by salvation, by Jesus Christ. You're purged from your sins. You have been sanctified, which means you've been set aside for a purpose, an eternal purpose. And that your life, you can endure hardness and you can endure all the affliction and all the difficult things because you've been set aside. You've been purged, saved from your sins, set aside for his purposes. And it says meat for the master's use, which means you just are prepared and, and you are appropriate. You're useful under the master. The master knows your names and he knows that you're useful. And you are prepared unto every good work. Jesus Christ has a plan for you. He has brought you into his kingdom. He has prepared you, has set you aside, set you apart for unique purposes and made you in every way ready and useful for his purposes and his will. He goes on, verse 22, flee also youthful lusts, not follow and, and, he, and as we close out this chapter here, there are several other characteristics and seals and, and just things that describe a pers- a, an honor vessel unto honor and a good soldier. But here's some of the things. You flee also those youthful lusts. Follow four things. Righteousness, faith, charity, which is love, peace. Follow those things. Let that be your ideal. Not just self-preservation. You know, that's where we, as people, we tend to go to so quick. And as things get tough, you know, it's pre- preserve myself, preserve the family, go out and take care of all the needs. But here he said that there's a higher ideal. There's a higher reason for living. Seek after those things. Righteousness, faith, love, peace. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. That's why we love to associate together. That's why we love to come together. And we look for a, in a, day, a day real soon we can come back together and be together. But even in this way, in the spirit, together, we are influencing each other. We are calling each other to righteousness, to faith, to love, to peace. Verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive. Now, here's, this is a list. This is a description of the servant of, of the Lord. And that phrase, the servant of the Lord, is another image. Not only we are a good servant, a good soldier of Jesus Christ, not only to be a vessel unto honor, but to be a servant of the Lord. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing, you could also translate that as in gentleness, correcting. This is apologetics here. This is when you're into a discussion. You're talking with someone who has a different worldview than you do. And in gentleness, you are correcting their worldview. What does it say next? Those that oppose themselves. They don't even know it, but they're opposing. Their, their thinking doesn't even make sense. And you, in gentleness, can help them to understand truth. That's what this is all about here. If God, peradventure, will give them repentance, that's the whole goal. That they would come to an understanding of the need to repent and to come to God. That God, peradventure, will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Satan is still working. He's still powerful in the, all across the waters, the picture of the whole world. And he has plans to take you down, plans to destroy you, plans to ensnare you. And he has purposes to destroy you. And he's, he's hung lots of low-hanging fruit to do just that. But we need to be people that have a mind, that have a commitment of heart unto Jesus Christ. To be able to recognize and discern in the spirit when Satan is working those things. And to know that there is a higher calling that Jesus Christ has called us to. 
So ultimately, we want to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. We want to be a vessel unto honor and a servant of the Lord. We'll bring, bring this to a close, and Brother Gail Turner is going to come up and, and close this meeting. Be not entangled with the affairs of this world. Our worship service this morning has called us to a higher calling. We have been encouraged to stay focused. We have been encouraged to remember who we are in Jesus Christ. We have been encouraged to live intentionally called to faithfulness. It's impossible for us to serve two different masters. It's impossible for us to be loyal to two different kingdoms. Brother David said that Satan was ensnaring whoever he could. He is powerful, but praise the name of the Lord. He's not all powerful. Jesus Christ is all powerful. You will notice that uh, if you continue on in this second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy, he said that in the last days, perilous times will come. That's where we're living today. He lists a whole category of evils that men would be engaged in. And really, he's just re-echoing the Sermon of Jesus Christ on the Mount of Olives. And Brother David did that today. Don't be deceived, Jesus said. He said that there in the last days are going to be those who would try to deceive us. He also said there's going to be wars. There's going to be rumors of wars. There will be earthquakes. There will be pestilences. And then... He said also, these pestilences, if we would put it in our words today, would be diseases. That's where we're at. But he said, these are just the beginning of sorrows. But then he encouraged us. He said, those of us who would endure to the end would be saved. So how are we going to endure to the end? How are we not going to be entangled with the affairs of this life. You know, I think about Paul in another letter that he wrote. He started out a chapter like this. He said, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Peter encourages us like this. He says, just cast all of your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. I wanted to back up just to, to the first chapter in this second letter that Paul wrote to Timothy where David took his text from today. In that first chapter, Paul encourages Timothy, like this, he said, God has not given us the spirit of fear. He's given us that of power and of love and of a strong mind, a sound mind, one that 
is able to be directed in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. I'd like to encourage you like this as you think about having a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. Open up the word and read it. Don't read the media. Don't listen to what all the media has to say. Listen to what Jesus Christ tells you through the word by the power of his spirit. It is true that we live in an unstable world. We are in difficult and challenging times. But you know what? God is the same, and his years fail not. And Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah for that. The writer, in his wisdom, as he penned the book of Ecclesiastes, left us some words like this that I'd like for us to consider today. He said, in the day of adversity, consider. I think this is just a wonderful time to stop and really consider the values of life, things that really are meaningful. I'd, I'd just like to encourage you in a, in a practical way this week as you're at home, Take the time just to take a bicycle ride with your family. Take your children around the block. Go out in the yard, have a picnic together. You know, this is a time to really invest in some meaningful values. David's given us a lot of those in a, in a real spiritual way. I think we need to bring that right down in our lives and apply that spirituality in a practical way. And maybe you're at home all by yourself and you can't get out. Maybe you're older. I just want to encourage you. you now, this is a time to really embrace the meaning that Jesus is enough. It's just a time to be still and know that God is God. We used to uh, sing a hymn, and the theme of that hymn was something like this. Though the calls and the circumstances of this life would separate us physically, we still are one in heart. Today, our spiritual fellowship does not have close proximity because of some of the limits that we are respecting today. But our hearts can be comforted, and we want to leave this benediction with us this morning. We're pulling this from the book of Colossians. Our hearts can be comforted being knit together in love and into all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So I just want to encourage each of you today that in the next few weeks, just use every opportunity that you have to live intentionally for the Lord, to share that with your family, to make the phone calls to those who might be lonely, just to do all you can to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning we open our hearts and our lips in thanksgiving and praise to you. We realize that we do live in a time where the world is troubled. And we live in the world, but we praise you that we are not of the world. We are of another kingdom. 
And we thank you so much that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We come to you in the power of his name this morning, and we thank you that he has purchased us by his blood, that he has empowered us by his spirit, and that we can live in the joy and the power of the resurrection. We can show forth the praises of him who's called us from darkness to light. We just pray your people all around the world would be so thrilled by the glorious light of the gospel that your kingdom would move forward and men's lives would be drawn to Jesus and given in a relationship to you that will last forever. Lord, we do pray for the hard circumstances in people's lives today. Many of them do not know what to do with the overwhelming situations of life that has come to them. So we just pray that you would show yourself mighty in comfort and in peace and in love and mercy and grace and all that you are to all people, that they might find comfort, that they might realize there is hope that this too will pass and that there are better things that you have in life on the other side. And so we pray that, that you would just minister in a mighty way to each heart. Lord, I want to thank you again for the opportunity to have had the message come to us today. I just pray you would bless this message in the light of every heart. Draw us all to you. We know that one of these days, this time will be over. We'll be free from the very presence of sin, and we can worship you forever. Lord, we just praise you and thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. There are several announcements that we want to make. But first, Shirley and I and our family would just... Uh, really thank each one of you for all of the support you have given to us in the time of my dad's passing. Thank you for the encouragement that you have given through cards, prayers, calls, texts, so forth. We really appreciate the support and the concern and the love that you have shown each of us. Other announcements are that the Haiti auction has been canceled for now and may be rescheduled later. Next Sunday, Brother Bart will be preaching by this live stream method. Obviously, our public meetings are, are still canceled so far, so there will not be a carry-in next Sunday. We had a conference call the other evening, standing committee, and we have postponed our annual conference, our general conference, until the, the last of August and the first of September, possibly, if it works out then, but for now, it is canceled. District meeting has been postponed to a later date. But I'd like to encourage you, even though these things have been postponed, life goes on and it can be lived vibrantly in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ as a faithful soldier to him. Thank you. Have a wonderful week. Praise his name.